You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. If it's your first time joining us, my name is is Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. Thank you for joining us. Man, so awesome to see um, new faces, growth. And uh, God's moving. He's moving in our church in a big way. And uh, excited for you guys to join us today. You know, we're in a series. We're talking all about the Holy Spirit. And we're kind of doing a deep dive because, honestly, over the, over the years, um, time and time again, the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented in many different ways. In fact, he's been misrepresented so much that um, many people run from the Holy Spirit. They hear, they hear about the Holy Spirit, and then they kind of turn their back and say, well, I've seen, or I've been a part of, or I've seen some weird stuff. I don't know if I want to go all in with him. But here's the, real, here's the truth, is the Holy Spirit wants to go all in with you. So whether you want to go all in with him is really the hang-up. If you will trust him, he will go all in, and he's going to reveal some things to you that will drastically change your life. You know, this past week, um, my wife Leslie and I, we had some friends over to our house for dinner and uh, after dinner, Gavin, uh, he got up and he went to his room and he was playing. And we were having a conversation with this couple. And as we were talking, Gavin, um, he came and he made his way back into the dining room. And from his room, he has to cross the dining room and go into the kitchen uh, to get into the pantry. And that's exactly what he did. We were sitting there talking and he just kind of very sneakily, I say sneakily, he was just very quiet. He was on mission. He just kind of went by, kind of hoping no one would notice him, but he just went through and I heard him open the pantry door, and then I heard him, uh, we have a candy stash in there, uh, some sweet treats, come on somebody, and uh, he knows where it's at, and uh, he went in there, and I could hear him moving the trash can, because it's just high enough where he can't get it, so we had to get on the trash can, get his hand in the cookie jar, and he pulled out a bag, a little bag of Chips Ahoy cookies. I heard him get down, and then he was coming back out, and he was going back to his room. And you know, he had already eaten his dinner, He'd already done everything we'd asked him to do. He was being super well-behaved. But in my mind, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me just in that moment. And it just gave, he just gave me this clear picture of how God longs for you and for me to have that kind of confidence in his house. That when you need something, or you have a desire even, not even a need, like, i got to have this to live but a desire. As Gavin was sitting in his room and he had, man, I just need a little something sweet. You know what I mean? That would just put it over there. He had that thought and he went with confidence knowing I, I'm okay to do this. He knew I wasn't going to get on to him. He, I, he knew I've already eaten my dinner. Like I, everything's already good. I'm going to go and get me some cookies because I know where they're at. Can I tell you this? this? This book right here is our pantry. When you have need. You have a desire. And you're going through your life. Here's what God's desire is. Your first action would be to run to his word and say, let me get it from here. Not to go anywhere else. Not to wonder, well, is it, is it God's will for me to have those chips ahoy? Is it God's will for me to have healing in my life? Is it God's will for my marriage to be rock solid? Not to have those thoughts but to just go to his word and read it and believe it and leave it at that simple. That's God's desire for you. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at God's word, 
and we're going to take it, take God's word as his word, that it knows way more than we know, and it's way better than we could ever think. His ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And so today, here's what I want us to, to talk about is simply this. We're in this Holy Spirit series. We're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And again, I know as soon as I say that, some of you are probably like, oh, I don't know about I don't know about that. Let me show you from Scripture how simple and not weird it is. If you've had hang-ups in the past with Holy Spirit being weird, man, listen to last week's message. I talked all about that. He's not, he is not the crazy uncle. He just wants to make you live, love, and look like Jesus in your life. Come on, somebody. That's good. Here's the thing. Um, the hardest people for God to use are spiritually satisfied Christians. The hardest people for God to use are spiritually satisfied Christians. I would, I would say that God would rather use even a lost person because they don't have all of these religious hang-ups in their life. Many times we can get comfortable in our Christianity, so much so that I think the devil allows us to get comfortable in our Christianity because we just get static and we take ourselves out of the game. I'm no longer a threat to the enemy. I'm no longer taking ground. I'm no longer sharing the kingdom of God with my family and with my coworkers. I've taken myself out of the game because I've just become satisfied. Ah, I'm good. I've read that verse before. I've heard that message before, whatever it is. Let's not take ourselves out of the game. God has more for you, and it doesn't matter how old you are, young you are, doesn't matter. He has more for you, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're talking about how there are actually three baptisms available for every believer. Three baptisms available. When we say baptism in or baptize in America, we think of water baptism. We think of so there's three different, you know, types of water I got to get dunked in. What are we talking about here? The word baptize in the original language simply means this, an immersion into, an immersion into something. And so as you're going to see, and as we look at scripture, there's three different baptisms. God has an immersion into three separate things that he wants for you and for me. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is this. First baptism is baptism into the body of Christ. The baptism into the body of Christ. This is salvation, is how we say it regularly, you know, in, in conversation. This is salvation. Baptism into the body of Christ. This is not a religion. It's not when I choose to join a church. It's not when I find a denomination of a type of church that fits my beliefs or my needs. It's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. Salvation as an immersion into a relationship with Jesus and his church. Jesus and his church. It's a all-in experience. All-in. Not part-time thing, not a once or twice a month thing, not when it's convenient for me thing. It is an all-in thing. It's a daily relationship with him. So here's what I want to look at. I want to look at where do we see salvation talked about as a baptism, right? Let's look at it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says this, for we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. As we look at some of these scriptures, you're going to also see not just the word baptized used, but you're also going to see the, the word clothed. That you have been, you've probably read this before, you've been clothed with Christ, or you need to put on Christ. That's what we're talking about here, an immersion into. It's me, but I am totally covered and surrounded by Jesus. Let's look at Galatians 3, 26 through 27. It says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were all of you who were baptized into Christ have been, here it is, clothed. You've clothed yourself with Christ. 
That's the visual we need to see. That it's no longer I that live, but it's him in me that lives. That I may be walking, but spiritually I am in him. That's why we're called Abide Church. We are called to abide what? In him. We are connected to him. It is his life that's coming out of him into us so that we can bear his fruit. Not a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. So the first step in my Christian journey is to have an immersion into the family of God and all in experience with him. This happened with the disciples as well, and you're going to see these kind of build on each other. This happened with the disciples in John 20, verse 22. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the word spirit in our Bibles, it was tough for them to translate exactly what that word means. Sometimes it's ghost, sometimes it's spirit, but we talked about how many times it could be translated almost as a force of, of wind or breath, and here's what we see. Jesus when he has been raised from the dead, he's visiting his disciples. And in John 20, 22, it says this, Then he, Jesus, breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. What interesting wording. But that's what, I'm try- that's what we've been building on over the past several weeks. How can we translate that word spirit? He breathed on them. It was a like a receive this spirit. What do we see in the book of Acts at the very beginning? A rushing mighty wind. You can hear the sound of this rushing mighty wind. And what happened? Tongues of fire. Holy Spirit was poured out on the first church. It's the same thing. It's this breath of air. So here's what happens. Many times when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, many people haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit because they say, well, I got the Holy Spirit at salvation, which is true. So here's the example I like to use. Let's pretend that you and me are a empty glass, an empty glass. At salvation, if I put water inside this glass. The water represents the Holy Spirit. At salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And what we need to know, we're going to talk about in just a second, salvation, this first baptism is all that you need to go to heaven. It's all that's required. But you do have the Holy Spirit with you. You have God with you inside of you that you have access to. He has put his spirit on the inside of you. And here's where we see that. The disciples, what do we see? Jesus breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the disciples' salvation experience. For you, maybe you raised your hand at church or someone led you in a prayer and you put your faith in Jesus and that was your salvation experience. This was the disciples. At this point, their sin was forgiven when he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit now on the inside of them. But what happens is is we see that Jesus is very intentional with his wording. He doesn't say receive the Holy Spirit. Now you guys are good to go. Go out into all the world. He says, no, you need to wait until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is where people get confused. Well, he said receive the Holy Spirit, but then he says get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's because there's another step. It's not hard. It's not complicated. Let's look at another verse here. Luke 4, uh, no, Luke 24, 49. This is Jesus. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This was after he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what's he say? Wait until you get 
power. What do we see in Acts 1.8? He says, for when you see the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Same, same thing in Luke 24, until you've been clothed with power. He's referencing baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get into in just a second. So it was at this time they received the Holy Spirit, glass with water in it, but they had yet to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in just a second. In Acts 1.5, it says this. This is Jesus said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? We talked about this for the past couple weeks. Look, your salvation experience is the most important thing. It's what gives you eternal life. It's what gets you into heaven. It's what gives you God on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit with you. But God says, I have more for you. Jesus says, look, you're going to need more to do what I'm asking you to do, to live in the fullness of what I have for you. It's going to require a more intimate relationship with me. So the first baptism is salvation. It's baptism into the body of Christ. What are we clothed with Christ? The second one is this, baptism in water. Baptism in water. Water baptism Sorry, I'm fired up today. Let me calm down. Let me talk a little slower here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Whew. Come on, Jesus. Water baptism and salvation are not the same thing. They're not the same event. You do not have to be water baptized in order to be saved and to go to heaven someday. Why do I say that? Because God didn't want your salvation experience to be based on anything you did. It's not about you. Salvation is a free gift. It's not about, well, I tried really hard. I checked all these boxes. I got water baptized. Now I can go to heaven. No, it's all about Jesus. Jesus said, I know how rotten and sinful and far from God you are, but I will go to the cross and I will be, God will raise me from the dead. Why? So that you can have eternal life. It's, that's a free gift. If you want it, you can take it. It's not about what I did in order to get saved. Some people teach that you have to be water baptized to go to heaven. But again, that would mean that your works got you there. We read through the New Testament, you're going to see time and time again, ah, that's not right. <laughs> that's, not, that's not accurate. Um, here's a perfect example. Jesus is on the cross. He's getting crucified between two criminals. One of them leans and looks at Jesus and says, truly, you are the Son of God. Remember me. Remember me. Just a cry for help. He knew he was sinful. He knew he was far, but he says, remember me. What's Jesus' response? He says, today, you will be with me in paradise. That thief on the cross didn't have to get down. Go, hey, hey, you know, he's up there. There's a Roman soldier. Hey, can you let me off here? I got to get water baptized now. I got to get, get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then I can go to heaven someday. No, that didn't happen, right? You probably wish he could have gotten down. That didn't happen. What did Jesus say today? That's all it takes. Is in a time of need for someone that's far from God and that's lost is to say, Jesus, help me. Remember me. And at that moment, salvation is available. And the Holy Spirit is ready to come in and to make you new on the inside and ready to give you his love like you've never experienced before and to separate you from your old life and to give you righteousness in Christ. That's all it takes. Let us not overcomplicate it or, or make it 
make it anything else. It is a gift from Jesus. That's what salvation is. What is water baptism then? Water baptism is a way for me to make that inward decision an outward expression, an outward expression. In Acts 2.41, it says this, then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Do you see the first two uh, baptisms? Believed, what is that? Salvation. Baptized, they're talking about water baptism. Number two, in that order. I believed, I got water baptized, and they were added to the church. Accepting the message of Jesus is a private decision that needs to go public at some point. Here's the best way that I can explain it. It's this wedding ring on my finger. This wedding ring, this band right here, it does not make me married. The covenant that I made with my wife Leslie on our wedding day, that covenant, the things that we said to each other before God, before our friends, I said, I am serious about this covenant relationship. When we came into covenant, when we became one, that's what makes me married. What is the wedding band? It's me. It's an outward expression of an inward decision of a covenant saying, I'm serious about this covenant. And guess what? I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know that I'm in covenant with Leslie. I want you to know I'm pumped about it. I'm excited about it. I'm blessed to be in covenant with her. I want you to know. This is what water baptism is. It's a symbol. I go, what? Under the water, just like Jesus was laid down in the grave, and I come out of the water as an expression of I am no longer living my old life. I come out of the water saying, I am walking in victory now. I am made brand new in Christ, and this is what has happened on the inside. I've laid down my old life. Old things have passed away. All things have become what? Brand new here, right now, brand new. I get to walk in it now from this moment forward, and I want everyone to know that I'm that serious about my inward decision of this covenant relationship. It's a private decision that needs to go public. Why? Let's look at what Jesus said. In Matthew 10, 32 through 33, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Disown me before men, and I will disown you before my Father. Yikes. This isn't that verse that you have hung up above your dining room table, right? Maybe the first half of it. Yeah, cool. Come on, Jesus. But the last half, not so much. But when we read these verses, and we see how black and white Jesus was with right and with wrong, how there's no gray in Jesus, there's no gray area, there's no lukewarm, it's hot and cold. Here's what he said. He said, when you've truly experienced me, you should have no issue saying, hey, I'm serious about what happened in here. I want everyone to know. I want to acknowledge my Savior in front of everyone. This is why there's a lot of times people will get rebaptized if they were baptized as a kid. It means something different now. We see that in God's word. We can do that. That's cool. But it's an important step. It's the wedding band. I wear this every day. I never take this off. Why? I want that constant reminder. I'm in covenant, and I'm excited about it. It is a good thing. It's a good thing. Third one is this, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. You guys doing okay? You stay, <laughs> staying with me? Come on now. It's about to get real good. 
Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Earlier we talked about how if we're a glass and we have water in us, that water represents the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is like taking that cup of water and imagine with me, if you will, if you've ever been to Colorado and you've seen the, the, the streams, the water, that, just that clean, crisp water coming out of the mountains that turns into a river and it's just clean and it's flowing and it's powerful and it's like rapids. If you've ever you know, you know, done rapids or anything in, in Colorado, it's a beautiful sight. But imagine taking that glass or that cup of water and putting it inside that river and letting go. So what happens now? The glass is immersed in water, and the glass goes wherever the river wants it to go. It's led by the river, just like you and me are called to be led by the Spirit. So I went from I have the Holy Spirit to I am immersed into the Holy Spirit. When I was going to use this river example, I was going to, I had to make it clear because I don't want you thinking of the rivers here in Tulsa, right? It's just like, oh, I don't want to be in that river. <laughs> Clean, crisp water. That's the Holy Spirit. Living water. And you go where he says, I will show you. I will guide you. I'll go before you, and I'm going to make sure you go. But what does it require? An immersion in and hands off. Am I willing, when he says, go this way, to stay in the river and not to get out and be like, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm just going to sit on the sideline. He's got good things for you down the river, but you've got to get in it, number one, and then you've got to let him lead you, number two. Let's look at Acts uh, chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 5. Acts 8, verse 5. It says this, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to, to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let me stop here before we continue. This is what the local church should look like. Why should there be great joy in the city? Because God's moving supernaturally. And if we don't see these things... We should, we should have issue with that because God's word says this is the example for the local church. This is how we set it up in the book of Acts for our church to look. And that's why it's important for us to talk about a series on the Holy Spirit because if we don't know our power, how can we do these things? How can we see the, the, the people that are bound be set free? How can we see sick people be healed if we don't lean into this power? So if you call it by church your home, hey, this is where we're going, okay? And can I tell you what? There will be great joy in Tulsa. There will be great joy in Oklahoma, and there will be great joy in our country and the world. Why? Because there's people who are hungry for the things of God, who are hungry for the Holy Spirit, and you're only going to get this if you lean into and if you're willing to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to access it. Let me show you. Let's continue. Let's get down to verse 12. I believe it's verse 12, yeah. Here we go. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Do you see the first two? Believed, when they believed Philip, that's salvation. I put my faith, I believe in Jesus. I repent of my ways. Believe what? Everyone. They were baptized. Water baptism. This is where the story gets good. Let's skip over to verse 14. Now when the apostles, 
who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Interesting turn of events. If salvation, believe, and water baptism was all you needed, you're good to go. That's all you need for spiritual, spiritual success here on earth. Why would the apostles travel from Jerusalem to Samaria just to ensure these people receive the, the Holy Spirit? What do you say? Look at the verbiage once again. For as of yet he had fallen upon none of them. Fallen, clothed, baptized, surrounded, immersed in. It's all the same verbiage. What's he saying? We need, the apostle said, we need to get there to ensure these people know they have access to the fullness of God through the Holy Spirit. What they've done is good, but there's another step. There's another step that they need. What I like to do is when we talk about these baptisms, I like to point it back to Jesus, obviously. If we don't see things in the life of Jesus, we should, and we see it in our own life, or we're doing it in our own life, we should seriously question it. So the question is, where do we see these three baptisms in the life of Jesus? Right? We should see this. The first thing is this. Did Jesus need to be saved from his sin? No. He lived a sinless, perfect life. So we're not going to see a salvation experience because that was, that's what he was there to do. But what do we see? Water baptism. Jesus himself went to get water baptized. What do we see as soon as he comes out of the water when he got water baptized? The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. What are we seeing? He had not fallen yet. They had not been clothed with power. Descended upon, what is it? It's all the same verbiage of what? Completely surrounded or immersed into the Holy Spirit. Only after Jesus received those baptisms did he step into his ministry completely. No miracles until he was clothed with power. How much more do you and me need these three? Salvation, water, and spirit baptism. Only then can I walk in the new. Only then can I live free from sin. Only then do I have the power to impact not just my life, but to be a vessel used to other people around me. That I can heal the sick, raise the dead. That I can show people truth and they can be set free. Only after what? Clothed with power, the third one. We see this in the life of Peter as well. The night that Jesus was taken, Peter couldn't even confess or proclaim Jesus to a child, a little girl. But days later, as we read through our, our Bible, what do we see? He is preaching to thousands Jesus at the risk of death. What is the only thing that changed in Peter between not, not proclaiming to a little girl to preaching to thousands? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. At that point, he could say, I'm going to walk in what? The power of Jesus to do what he did. And what did Jesus say? You will, these works that I do, you will also do. And you will do even greater works. How? Through this baptism right here. I have no ability to do greater works if I don't have this power. I can't, and in the words of Jesus, we don't need, he said, don't even go 
and start churches or make disciples or preach the gospel without this baptism. He said, don't leave the city until you've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Must be pretty important. The purpose of this baptism is to send us and to release us to do the work of the ministry. It's a shame that this has been turned into such a weird thing in the church. And imagine the greatest trick of the devil to take this baptism, the one that has power and freedom and boldness for him to take this baptism and to make it the weirdest and to make people, Christians, run from this baptism. Why? Because it poses the greatest threat. And people live their life and they go to church and they mean well, but what happens is many times we talk bad about the Holy Spirit. I don't want, I've seen some weird stuff. I don't know about that. I don't know. Two questions. If you felt that way in the past, have you gotten in your Bible and read what it says? Have you studied, not just been taught? God's word says in 1 John, you have no need that anyone teach you because you have the Holy Spirit. Have you gotten your Bible? Number two, if you have a relationship with Holy Spirit, let me put it this way. How would you feel if someone was talking bad about your spouse? How would you feel if someone was bad-mouthing your best friend? Would that make you a little angry? Like, if someone's bad-mouthing my wife, Leslie, like, I'm ready to fight. Like, I know it may not be Christian, but I'm going to punch you probably in the face, okay? Get ready, because it's going down. But do we feel that way about the Holy Spirit? Or about Jesus? When people take his name in vain? When I watch that movie and it says it a million times? If I really know Jesus, it should, it should get at me a little bit. I should say, I ain't going to stand for that. Doesn't mean you've got to punch somebody in the face when they badmouth the Holy Spirit. But I'm saying, maybe it's time to walk away. He's your helper. He is for you. The devil wants to make you run from this. The issue is, is that God designed you in all three parts, spirit, soul, and body, to, to have and to long for a supernatural experience here on earth. You're designed to, to live a supernatural life here on earth, not a natural one. You're not designed to live a natural life, a supernatural life. So here's why there's so much temptation for the lost to fill that void with alcohol and with drugs and with things to give us that kind of out-of-body, tipsy experience. Because you're designed, God designed you to do that. In fact, look at this verse in Ephesians 5.18. He just calls it what it is. He said, look, don't be drunk with wine because that's going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? You don't need to drink that, smoke that, do whatever that it's doing for you. He says, I am enough for you. I've heard too many stories where people say, well, I just, I mean, I have to have a, a beer at night or a glass of wine at night to calm my nerves. But can, I, can we just flip our perspective for a second and just say, have we asked the comforter, as Jesus called him, to calm my nerves? Or if I just ran to man-made things to calm my nerves? What one's really going to work for me? What one's really going to work for me? That's where I'm going to stop on that. I got to keep going. I got a lot more to get to. 
We'll save that for another day. You're designed by God to have a supernatural experience. Many people fill it with the wrong things. He has a supernatural life for you here on earth, but it comes through the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to do. As we wrap up, I'm going to look at two Old Testament examples. Because once again, if this is true for us, God's word is so simple because he foreshadows everything in the Old Testament is a foundation for us to build on. It's, Old Testament's not something that we just kick to the curb and say, well, that was, that was back then, but not now. No, it's actually for us to learn from and to build from. That's what Jesus talked about time and time again. Let's look really quickly. I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 through 2. Here's what I want us to see. That from the very beginning... God was foreshadowing, the Holy Spirit was foreshadowing through his word that he had these three baptisms for you. In fact, we're going to look at it right here. It says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized, interesting verbiage, into Moses, into the cloud, and in the sea. A couple things. Moses was a representation or a foreshadowing of Jesus. He was their saviors, how they looked at Moses, their savior. He was not Jesus, but he was foreshadowing. He was a version of Jesus that we see here that was pointing to, here's what Jesus is going to do someday. The second thing we see is this, the Holy Spirit, throughout Scripture, you see him talked about in a few different ways. The three main ones are this, cloud, fire, and oil. Those three things, cloud, fire, and oil. So how did God lead the children of Israel through the wilderness? Cloud by day, fire by night. Not a coincidence, not because of natural things yet, yeah, helped them in the natural, but what was it? It was literally Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God leading them. Cloud and fire. That's, that's what we're seeing here. So, so here's what we're seeing in 1 Corinthians is this. They were baptized. He's foreshadowing, saying, look, this was their experience this is our experience. Look, they were baptized into Moses. What would that represent for us? Salvation. In the cloud, what is that? That's spirit baptism. In what? In the sea, water baptism. He's foreshadowing it. There's a few other spots where it does that. Um, if you read through 1st, um, 1st, first, 2nd, and 3rd John, you, I think it's 3rd John. You're going to see it in there as well. Just read all three of them just to cover my bases. You're going to see it there as well. He's talking about threefold witness. Three that bear witness on earth and in heaven. He says the same thing. Let's look at an Old Testament example, though. What I brought or what I had put together was a picture of the tabernacle. You can go ahead and put that first slide up here. The old school tabernacle, where the presence of God would dwell. You have, over here, you have the outer courts. You have one doorway. There's only one way in and out. The outer courts. And then over here, you have the holy place and the most holy place. The most holy place. This is where the presence of God literally dwelled. Now we are blessed that he's with us. He's, he, we have his spirit, right? We just talked about that in our hearts, right? He's with us. At that point, he dwelled in a place, the most holy place, okay? Now, this is where it gets so good. Um, in order for anyone to get into the presence of God, the most holy place, there was three things you had to do, okay? Go ahead and put that next slide. Put the next slide up there. Before I get to that, there's one door. Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. You see what God's doing? There's only one way. There's no anyone else that's saying there's another way. There's no way. There's no way. Jesus. He's the door. There was an altar. First step. You would shed the blood 
of a lamb. What is Jesus? John said, look, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There was a laver where you would wash in water. And then finally, there was a third one, flask of oil, where you would be anointed with oil. And only then could you come into here and go into the presence of God. And can I tell you what would happen if, if I said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, shed some blood here. I'm going to wash my hands, but I don't want any of that oil on my head. I'm just going to go around here and do my own thing. You would literally fall over dead. Here's what this represents. Go and put the last slide up there. Salvation, blood of the Lamb, water baptism, baptism in the Spirit. Only then will you experience God like you've never experienced Him before. Only then will you be able to step into the fullness of what He has for you in His presence like you've never experienced before. Again, what do I need to go to heaven? I need salvation. I have the Spirit in me. Yes, but what did I say? He's got, put that glass of water in the river that's what this is because the what I am in him trusting him experiencing him to the fullness and it's not something new it's not something for one group of people at one certain time he's been saying it from day one he said this is how it's set up and he's reminding us you don't come you don't get to experience me fullest on your terms not with oh I like that verse but that one oh I don't know if I agree with that I like this one no he says you do what I say I am the Lord I am God. No one is even close to me. And he says, if you want this in your life, here's, here's, here's the, the formula, okay? It's not a formula, but that's the steps. Do you see it? Do you see how clear it is? Do you see it's not something new? It's not something crazy? It's not something some group made up? The devil's made it weird over the years because he knows you're dangerous when you get in here. He's afraid of you getting here because you'll change the world. You'll change the world. Man. We see it in the Old Testament. I'm gonna give you some shotgun examples from the New Testament. In Acts 1.5, I don't have verses or slides for these, but here's what it says. Acts 1.5. John baptized in water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That was after Jesus had breathed on his disciples, said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what do we see? Receive the Holy Spirit, salvation, baptized with water. What? You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. There's three. Acts 2.38. Peter's preaching. They say, what shall we do to be saved? What do we need to do? Here's what he says. Repent, salvation. Be baptized, water baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He made... There's three. He made a point to say all three of them. In Acts 8, we just looked at the story earlier. What do we see? They believed, they were baptized, and then the, apostle, the apostles came and they, they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul is going and he's traveling. He comes across these, these disciples. And the first question he asked, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know. Like, what are you talking about? So what did he do? He laid hands on them so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and they had boldness and they prophesied. They spoke in tongues. Those three things. Theologians will tell you, any theologian will tell you, if you find a pattern of three or more in Scripture, it's doctrine. Lock it in. 
We've looked at a lot of verses today and a lot of examples today. Lock it in. It's rock solid. Never take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Go home and study these scriptures. People will say, well, that, that, yeah, baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, that was just for the day of Pentecost, like in Acts, the beginning of Acts. It was just for that group. It had, it's passed away. It hasn't, it's not for us right now. Well, here's the issue with that, okay? Acts 8, the example we just talked about, was five years after Pentecost. Acts 19, 25 years after Pentecost. Whoops, right? I guess that's not right. I guess it is. What was the first question 25 years later that Paul asked? He just met disciples. Did you receive, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? First question. Must be pretty important for our spiritual success here on earth. We've got to have it. There's three. Salvation, saved, and I become a new person. Water, my old person is cut off. I'm leaving them in the water. It's my wedding band. I'm moving forward. I'm proclaiming Jesus and I'm this outward expression of an inward decision. There's a spirit baptism where I receive the power to live, love, and look like Jesus, to walk as Jesus walked. What does that mean? It means that death cannot touch me, fear cannot entrap me, and sin cannot enslave me. Can't touch me. I'm all in. I'm, I'm in the the most holy place. I'm all in with him. Let me give you some reflection questions, or at least one here. Here's the reflection question you can put up. Have you been walking in the full power of the Holy Spirit? Where are you at in this journey? Are you kind of like, ah, I've, done, I've been saved, I've been water baptized, but I don't know. Maybe you haven't even been saved. Maybe you were at one time, but you've been doing your own thing, and God's knocking on the door of your heart today saying, hey, it's time. Today's your day. Have you, been, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but it's been dormant for years? You use it every now and then. You use that church when you pray sometimes, um, but you're not using it. It's a daily thing. How do we do this? How do we receive, then, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's really easy. Let's look at these, these four things here. First thing is this. I need to remove all barriers, meaning this. Anything that I've seen or heard that doesn't align with God's word that's making me run from the Holy Spirit, I need to kick that out. That's not truth. What does his word say? That I will do. Request the gift of the Holy Spirit. John, John Baptist said, what? There's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Jesus is the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that we ask. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I have to ask for it, though. It's like salvation. I have to ask. The next one is this, receive by faith. There's not some special Holy Spirit water we dunk you in somewhere to receive this one. I receive it like salvation, by faith. I asked. I believe God's true to his word. He's faithful. I receive it by faith. Even if I don't feel differently. If I asked, he wants to give it to you. Here's the most important. Relate to him daily. Don't let it go dormant. Don't take your foot off the gas. Lean into it and stay where? In the most holy place. Stay in that close covenant relationship with him. Immersed in him. Go where he's asked you to go. Do what he's asked you to do because he's given you the power to do it. It's not on you. It's his power working through him. Relate to him daily. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? As I wrap up here, I want to give a chance. Number one, if you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, 
I need to make my life right. I'm not following Jesus. I need to receive the first baptism. I need to be, I need to receive salvation today. Maybe you did it one time, but you, you want to recommit because you've been doing your own thing. You've been living far from God, but you're ready today to make your life right. Would you simply raise your hand just so I can see it? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray with you. It's going to lead you in a prayer right here from stage, if that's you at all. All right. Here's the second one. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to receive the fullness of what God has for me. I want the power. I want to be clothed in that power. I want to walk in the new. If that's you and you're ready today, once again, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to cheer you on. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want to pray over you so that you can receive it. If that's you, would you simply, I'm going to ask you to be bold. If that's you today, you want to receive this baptism, raise your seat. No one's going to judge you. We're going to cheer you on. Would you just stand? If you want to receive it for the first time, maybe you did it at one time, but you want a fresh outpouring. Right there at your seat, just stand. Another second here. All right, here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to have my prayer team. They're going to be up here. Their backs are going to be against the wall up here on the left and on the right. In Scripture, many times we saw that people, when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that they would lay hands on them. If that's you today, you'd say, Pastor Dan, I want that, but I just want someone to pray with me in, in person and lay hands on me to receive it. Hey, we're here for you. We're going to cheer you on, and the Holy Spirit's going to rock your world today. It's going to be good. Not, nothing weird's going to happen, okay? He's just going to show himself to you, and you're going to experience his love like you've never experienced before. During this last worship song, I want you to make your way up here and get prayed for. If you were supposed to raise your hand for salvation today, I want you to get up and come down here and get prayer and make your life right with Jesus. If you're in here and you'd say, man, I just have an illness, I have sickness, I'm battling depression, I have a need, I want you to stand up in just a second and come down here and get prayer. Don't let your pride keep you from what God has for you today. He has freedom for you today. He has love for you today. But I have people willing and equipped to pray with you to receive it. Heavenly Father, we love you. Your word is true. It sets us free. You're... Your Holy Spirit is sweet. He is our helper, our comforter. He's our guide. He gives us power when we need it the most. And God, I thank you for every believer in here who has walked in the, the, what you have for their life. I thank you that today we're, we are going all in with the river. Lord, we are in. We're taking our hands off. Holy Spirit, wherever you want to lead us, we will go. We're not too afraid. We're not too hesitant. But we lean into it, and we run to you, and we let you lead our lives and impact our lives. We thank you for it today. We thank you for fruit today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.